Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven and draw on the wisdom of the saints. And, and today, we're drawing on the wisdom of probably the greatest writer in the history of the church on the topic of prayer right. and spiritual warfare. Right, right. Most people don't know her for her insights on spiritual warfare because she talks about it in conjunction with prayer, but mm-hmm. this time... We're going to extract out the spiritual warfare wisdom and talk about mansion number three in her interior castles. Right, right. I'm excited to talk about this mansion and this beautiful, beautiful woman, fiery woman, strong woman. There's nothing weak about St. Teresa of Avila, nope. of course. Yeah. And just amazing. I mean, I think when you think about her, um, you know, she was always Catholic, fervently so and everything. But when she had an encounter at that point, you know, she was in her late 40s. She then goes on to to fi- found, mm-hmm. she founded uh, 24, 17, 17? Monasteries, okay, 17 yep. monasteries at that point. So if any of you are, you know, rolling around late 40s, early 50s, and you're thinking, well, it's too late for me. Not nope, a chance. Not nope. a chance. No, so she rocked the world. She did. It was so the latter, exciting. The latter half of her life, she yeah. rocked the world. Yeah. yeah. So be encouraged. Um, okay, so entering into this battle of the third mansion. Before we go into a detail, I do want to frame it in terms of the purgative illuminative unitive really okay. quickly. So this mansion is <coughs> late purgative, early illuminative. It bridges. Um, very few people get into this mansion, which is not because the Lord hasn't provided a way, but because they haven't given themselves to the sacraments and all of the means that God has meant daily mental prayer. So by this time, daily mental, this is years of, of daily mental prayer has been a habit, daily examined persons usually living by a rule of life. Right. And there are key characteristics that help you identify if you're in this mansion. And I bet that's where you were headed. Oh, well, um, why don't you go ahead and start with that? I was going to go someplace else, but you go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, one, one of the key characteristics here that she talks about is holy fear. Mm-hmm. What is holy fear um, that I think is is really important for us to understand because um, it, it's very central to this part because we, we, in a holy fear, it's not the kind of fear that, that thinks of God as a tyrant or or is this, you know, uh, terrible monster in the sky who's just waiting for me to mess up? Um, but rather, it's a holy fear that looks to him in love and profound reverence. Mm. And we have this profound desire not to disappoint him, not to fail him. Um, this desire to really stay within his will. We have this huge desire to get better to to progress so it it gets very intense at this point and it it drives us to distrust ourselves and to start putting hedges around our behaviors our life what we do so when we start feeling that very fiery um fear of the lord but healthy fire that keeps us on the narrow way um 
versus, you know, a disordered fear that keeps us focused on far less important matters. But when this Godward self-awareness, fear of God uh, in this holy way, it, it helps us uh, to understand that we're moving into this area along with all the other characteristics, right? Right. The other, there are other few key indicators, and I want to come back to your point on reverence. And one of them is that by this time, the person is completely free of habitual mortal sin, at least. So you're not in the third mansion. You're certainly not in the illuminative way, unless you have overcome by God's grace and your cooperation with him, both habitual mortal and venial sin, which means that you don't take you don't commit them as a norm and so that you don't take them to confession as a norm. That's how you understand. But with respect to reverence, what's interesting is this, when a person is in this phase, you're not, you're going to have a tendency to see them act differently in the holy sacrifice of the mass, act differently about all manners of holy things that are holy and all of that. Reverence begins to permeate the life because you have a deep love for God, which means you revere him and you want to please him and you recognize that um, a casual approach to relationship with him in the way that we live is 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 really disordered and problematic so you're living very deliberately in this stage and reverence also uh, uh, leads to how we worship so you're not going to find somebody in the third mansion who has no concern for the um the holy sacrifice of the mass and how they should comport themselves, for instance. So they're not going to be looking at their cell phone during mass. They're not going to be chatting with their girlfriend, chatting with their or girlfriend their or husband or, or their husband. Yeah. Or, or wrestling through their purse, trying to find their to-do list to review before mass starts, you know, uh, or whatever it is, they're going to tend to be people who are getting to mass early, kneeling, to receive the Eucharist on the tongue, you know, women tend to be veiled. It, it just creates this, this higher sense of what's really going on, and then it it affects the way we worship. So yeah, I think and and prior to the veil, there's and, and a lot of women will understand this. There'll be a shift towards modesty, mm-hmm. and it'll be a natural shift. Like all of a sudden, there's this self consciousness of. Um, my dignity and my worth as a woman on how I dress and how to, how I behave. And that there's, there's this sense of when I go to mass or even to the grocery store, when I'm out at the movies with friends or whatever, that there needs to be this shift on how I carry myself because I'm no longer um, quite as vain. That's starting to be stripped away. And I'm starting to understand that I have dignity and worth as a daughter of the king. Yeah. And it's huge. It's a huge shift for women. Here's a, other, here's a few others that I've listed out here that just are from Teresa Vavil herself. Um, the person uh, works hard to, over, uh, to avoid committing even venial sin, loves doing penance, acts of self-denial and reparation for sin, uses time well, it practices works of charity, is very careful in the use of speech, as you noted, very care, uh, very careful in the manner of dress and is diligent in the management of household. So what happens is in the earlier stage of the interior life, if you're very disordered in your mind and the way you think and the way you live, the first two mansions are going to begin to really purify you of those things. And you begin in the third mansion as you're starting to exit the purgative way, your life is fairly well ordered. It's not out of control in any way. There are no passions that you have that are out of control. There are no attachments that are controlling your life. There still may be 
a lot of little things that you have to overcome, no doubt. And it's always the case. But predominantly, God is the driver of your life. He's the one who dictates or who leads or whom you follow. He's your your compass and your anchor. There's right. a reason that, you know, we use the anchor as a as a Christian symbol. Yeah. He becomes our anchor and everything revolves around that anchor, you know, on on the cross. And how do we deny our flesh in a way to become more rightly ordered to what God's asking of us? You know, I, I uh, this, even the regulating of speech, mm-hmm. you know, people can be quite flippant in how what they say that can be very offensive. Um, it, it can be, you know, latent with curses or taking the Lord's name in vain or, or even slightly sore or crass or imprudent, you know, all those things. And, and I, at this point, at this stage in the journey, you start to understand, wait, I pray with this mouth. I proclaim God's praise and his goodness. And I sing to the Lord with this mouth. Perhaps I should be realigning what I say, you know, mm-hmm. in the rest of the areas of my life, right? Yeah. Being very, very careful of not to say things that I shouldn't or engage in gossip or whatever. So in terms of uh, specific battles, w- one of the things that happens during this period, and just so you know, Steph, I'm on page 51, and this is this is where the key battle is, is that prayer begins to change. So what does that mean? So in the prior two mansions, which which have taken several years for the person to get through, they've begun daily mental prayer and they begin, uh, things begin to transition. Uh, whereas before their mental prayer was very um, life-giving and peaceful and, and just encouraging and, you know, right. a lot of nice things. Now it begins to break down uh, in its effectiveness. And I, I teach a class on this that covers this transition in depth. It's called Foundations of Prayer Union with God at uh, the Avila Institute. You can find that out there, avila-institute.org. But uh, I'll, we'll give you a summary in this, and I do it in the book, of how things begin to change that tell you that the difficulties you're experiencing, which we call contemplative aridity, are not the same as aridity caused by uh, sloth or aridity caused by lack of diligence in spiritual disciplines or aridity caused by those other, uh, you know, human reasons or you're sick or you're not sleeping. There's an aridity that begins to settle in here as God takes us out of discursive and affective meditation into the prayer of simplicity, which prepares us for contemplative prayer. So the question is, how do I know that I'm in that realm? So one is, we've already mentioned vice and virtue. Mortal sin is not present anymore in the person. Venial sin is fading and not habitual, and virtue is developing. Detachment in the soul. We become detached from worldly things with sufficient measure of strength to an ability to endure dryness in prayer, even for sustained period. So we have distaste for vain conversation, and otherly for other forms of worldly entertainment or engagement in the world. So things that we used to enjoy begin to fade in their interest to us. Right. Mm -hmm. All things are as a, as rubbish to us. Right. And that's not, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's God, you know, you draw near to God and you start to realize there's nothing really that matters other than him. And wow, this is beautiful and good. But at the same time, there are different, there are purifying realities 
and this aridity that sets in as a purifying reality for us. Right. Um, our spiritual disciplines, if we've been exercising for a time in, in mental prayer in particular, sound sacramental participation. You know, you're going to a confession every other week or monthly minimum if you're at this stage. So you have neither pleasure nor consolation in the things of God, which is interesting, or the spiritual world, or the material world, I'm sorry. So you might call, call it a kind of desolation. So somebody might say, well, wait a minute, you're saying this is all glorious and good, but um, what does it mean that you have no pleasure in the things of God? Well, it's because the Lord has gave you a lot of pleasure and joy and goodness in your previous mansions. Um, as you're exiting out of this life of sin into this life of virtue and grace. But now it's time for you to learn a deeper kind of love and a deeper kind of prayer. And so he's weaning you off of the, those good feelings that you have. When we get back from the break, I'll finish the list. And it's really provided by John of the Cross, even though Teresa uh, reflects on it. Uh, and we'll talk about how the enemy tries to mess with you in this period. Okay, we'll be right back. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. We're talking about the devil in the castle, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul, which is a book that I just wrote. And is, if you're listening to the live stream, it'll be out shortly. If you're Listening to the show on EWTN, it's already out. Check EWTN's religious catalog to get a hold of that. Uh, SpiritualDirection.com forward slash shop, uh, etc. So, And we're in the third mansion. Third mansion, third yep. Mansion. And you can find all the previous if you're just joining us. Uh, and all these, this will be in a free mini course eventually on ApostoleVA.org. You can go out there. There's course, free courses on a bunch of stuff. Right, and it'll be in spiritualdirection.com, and make sure you subscribe yeah. to it so you'll keep up with everything. Yep. Yep. So your desire, your strong... So the difference between aridity that is destructive and problematic in your spiritual life to aridity that is healthy and good and indic indicative of a new movement of God in your soul is that you're detached from the world, it doesn't matter to you. You know, football was your, you know, your fetish. It doesn't matter to you. For me, it was four wheeling at one point that really I love to do and outdoors stuff. And, 
you know, when that begins to fade in interest, and it's, it's a little shocking when it happens, but at the same time, you're drawn to be alone with God in prayer. So the aridity, that's the key indicator that helps you know that the aridity is, is probably healthy. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that she stresses during this, this particular stage, and it's forever, right? Mm-hmm. But, but in particular, during this stage, we must uh, be humble. Yeah. Humility is really key because uh, there can be a tension uh, a temptation to pride sure. or to becoming overly critical oh, you know, or disdain or all these things. You know, we need to understand when we start to go through this, that we nurture this desire to go to prayer, mm-hmm. but we stay very, very humble. We don't criticize others that are engaging in things that no, lang- no longer um, attract us or anything. And, and we're being purified of these attachments they are attachments and so we're being purified we need to be very very humble and low and understand that if we're not growing in love while we're growing in humility during these stages then something's off right if we start to see others as the problem and and only god is the answer we need to be very careful that we're not treating others poorly yeah it's a bad sign if if you think you're in this phase and you look at others with disdain as a norm or you judge them because they're not where you are, you're, you are falling prey to one of the enemy's key tactics, both in the second and third mansion, right. which is to look down on others. You know, because a person is in the third mansion doesn't make them better in essence or more loved by God than the person who's just starting out. They're not. Their life is more oriented to God because of God. And God wants the other person to come, and what they'll do, if, if if you're not succumbing to this evil, is you will look at the other person with love and say, "Hey, come and join me. Let me show you. You know, uh, you know, I know you're struggling with sin. Don't worry about it. But you know, let's let me let me show you how to get free of of habitual sin or whatever it is. And it, there's no judgment. It's just love. So, and the last thing I already mentioned, which is indicative of this is there's a lack of desire or inability to practice discursive meditation or receive satisfaction from it as before and a lack of desire to use imagination and prayer those are all those all of those signs together indicate that um, you're on you're making a lot of spiritual progress and the lord is taking you from a different uh, into a different kind of um into a different place Right. And and I just want to say one quick thing in that when they go through this aridity, yeah. you know, this, they still have a desire to go to prayer. It's not something that you can overcome by a strength of the will. Yeah. Right. This, this is supernatural. We just have to continue to show up, just show up for prayer. Just continue your practices. Don't get to stir it discouraged and perseverance is key, yeah. um, and uh, availing yourself of the grace that the Lord wants to pour out upon you. So I think we're going to go into the summary of the battles of this stage. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> so the demonic goals here are to cause discouragement, you know, to get us to turn back and to crumble um, in and to lead us into desolation due to this aridity, you know, what's happening. I don't feel God anymore. And so we can get, we can end up going into doubt or despair or narcissism. And that's really something we have to guard against. Well, and then this aridity is, is what is aridity? It's the perceived absence of the presence of God. 
So whereas before we, we sensed the presence of God in our prayer, we were blessed by our exploration of the Gospels or things that we see in Jesus that we had never seen before and conviction that we've never had and joy that we've, you know, all of these great things happen. And then suddenly we go to that same scripture, maybe even our favorite passage and nothing emerges. So what the enemy does in this stage is sit, tell you, you know, everything you experienced before that you thought was of God was an illusion. You're, you're delusional and you really need to go back to your old way of life. And apparently this God that you love so much has abandoned you and you're good why is he abandoning you this is unjust you know all of these kinds of accusations will come or temptations will come to get you to stop mental prayer is a big part of a way the uh, one of the most powerful ways of wrecking you in your progress is to get you to stop uh, practicing daily mental prayer yeah and this this next uh tactic of the enemy is can be very disconcerting yeah um so not only the enemy is accusing you but it it can also be a, a period where you um find that you're getting persecuted right know that that's a very good sign and it is so stinking painful yeah and and you're just thinking what in the world is going on and sometimes the world is crumbling around you and all you can do is keep your eyes on jesus and keep walking right you know stay on your knees in prayer get up and walk the next day so if if you're being uh persecuted criticized attacked from others um that that's tempting you towards discouragement or desolation um the enemy's trying to get you to go back. He's going, don't go this way, you know, but it's the way of the cross. And we know that if we deny ourselves, we pick up our cross, we follow the Lord, that through the crucifixion, there will be a resurrection. There is no salvation without the cross. The cross is huge during this time, and you must pick it up and keep walking. Keep, keep your eyes yeah. on Don't Jesus. set it down. Don't set it down. Because they've walking. already picked it up pretty well. Uh, not correcting what you're saying, just adding. Um, and the, the enemy wants you to set it down. Yeah. This is, this is too hard. This isn't working the way, you know, we thought it was going to go. And, you know, you're really wasting your time and yeah. sitting in this silence in prayer. Well, and, and people can say, well, if this is really, you know, this experience that you're having with God, if that's really true, you wouldn't be experiencing these difficulties out in your personal life or in your work life or whatever. And, and it's just that temptation to follow the world, the flesh and the devil, to be comforted, to, to avoid the cross and the enemies. He's just so uh, stinking wily during this time. And you just must keep your eyes on the cross during this time. Don't give up. You and I have both, um, faced huge persecutions during yeah. this time. Um, things that people would be shocked to find out from people that you thought you could trust or, yeah. or you know, you were there to serve or whatever. Yeah. It can be very, very ugly. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Wake up every day. Go to prayer. Do your examine, regular confessions, regular sacraments, and keep walking. You know, I never, it, it takes a lot of years sometimes to gain perspective on certain things. And that what I'm about to say may seem obvious, but I've watched it actually. So it's one thing to believe something conceptually, it's another to watch it. And that is a little bit of what you said earlier. There's no resurrection unless there's a crucifixion that precedes it. But I've watched over the years, holy people following the key events in Jesus' life. Mm 
mm-hmm. right? Right. And it's and it, and and I just come to believe that what it means to take up your cross is it means to embrace the same path that Jesus walked. Of course, not with the same severity because we can't suffer the way he suffered. But mystically, in in many ways, yeah. there is an agony, there is a scourging, there is a crowning with thorns, there is a carrying of the cross, there yeah. is a crucifixion, a kind of death to self and the world and the way things were gonna be crushing and then resurrection right and then the joy after that which is really followed in the it it isn't fully resolved in you know the first three mansions but you you know you're gonna you're you're it's normal to experience these these difficulties um because both the enemy will use it to try to scourge you but god is using it to purify you to heal you of things that are in the way of you drawing near to him and to becoming free from right. attachments and, and, and to be to purify you and what's really beautiful is that the bigger the storm is generally the bigger the grace on the other side so so let's talk a little bit about how to make sure we battle these tactics successfully of the enemy one is you can never ever 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 stop practicing daily mental prayer you need to make sure that you never give that up i'm on page 54 if you're following yep. along if you happen to be doing this while when the book's available um you never give up on daily mental prayer no matter what and with for stephanie and i and those in our community we always tell people worst case even if i'm hospitalized if i'm conscious and able to pray i'm practicing mental prayer and uh, auxilium christian norm those are two things that i'll never give up one is a spiritual warfare prayer and the other is uh just being with with the lord in mental prayer right and then pay attention to what the lord's trying to free you from right? Stop holding on to the things that the Lord is trying to detach you from mm-hmm. and pay attention because he's trying to get you to pull, to to let go of those uh, circumstances, those attachments, those relationships that are not good for you, that are holding you back from what he desires to pour out onto you. And, and some of those things can be very surprising, but look for attachments, look for where the Lord is creating discord and and ask him, what are you doing here? What's what do going I need to on? Let go? What do I need to let go of? Am I attached here? Right. Uh, we can't get through all of them, but begin to identify virtues that you're not that are not yet habitual in you, and have a particular specific plan to acquire those virtues. Actively, actively develop strong spiritual relationships. Community is really important, which is why we're in community in Apostoli VA. And uh, the bottom line is, if you get this far. Frankly, you're ahead of 99.9% of Catholics. All are invited, all are empowered. Few answer the call to authentic discipleship of Jesus. But if you're this far, you're way closer to him in the in, in the castle than you were when you began. God be praised. God be praised. Okay, so until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.